0: The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 70. This is the second in a series of podcasts on the book of James. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As we started to see from last week's episode, James is a book about practical faith, and James continues on in that theme here in James 2 my brothers as believers in our glorious lord jesus christ don't show favoritism suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say here's a good seat for you but say to the poor man you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? James is dealing with a very real issue in the church of his day, but I think also a very real issue in the church of today. And that is we show partiality. We pick and choose those to whom we will welcome. We are more welcoming perhaps to someone who is rich because they're like us. Or perhaps we're more welcoming because there's that deficit in the church budget and this looks like somebody who could help. Or they look like somebody who is smart and we think we'd like to get to know them. Or a hundred different reasons And then the poor person who comes in may be poor, they may look homeless, they may have tattoos, or they may may look like they don't belong because they don't know how to dress for church, or they may not. There's a hundred different reasons why we may show favoritism to one or partiality to one over the other. And James is saying that when we do that, we are judges with evil thoughts that we're not being Christ-like as a church if we are looking at people that way. That's not what Christ would do. James mentions a man who comes in in fine robes. I'll have to say that, in all honesty, this is an area where I've been a bit subversive in my church. When I started coming to the church that I'm in, and I'm in Silicon Valley, so this is a place where when people go to work, they go to work in jeans and shorts, maybe even to church at the time that we started going to our church, and this was back in the 80s, our church was more formal. It was more of a suit and tie sort of place, or at least a tie. And when I started working with the youth in particular, and they didn't dress that way, I started dressing down for church. And I was doing teaching at the time, so I was standing up in front of a class of people. So I figured I could get away with it because I was teaching adults, and I was teaching about 50 adults at the time. And I could get away with dressing down and I wanted to start of move the church to a place where suits are fine but where we could be comfortable with not having to dress up for church because For me, I felt that that was a little way of making us more comfortable with the person who comes in not wearing fine robes. The person who comes in, maybe it's just because they're a kid and they don't know what to wear to church. You know, when I say what to wear as if that were important. I remember one of the kids who we got to know well, the first time I remember seeing him was at a confirmation class, and he came with a heavy metal T-shirt and his hairs particularly moosed up into horns. (laughs) And I think the T-shirt said, I I said it was a heavy metal T-shirt, but I think the T-shirt said, be glad I'm not your kid. This is the kind of person who should be in church. Because all kinds of people should be in church. James is asking us not to judge people based on what they wear. That that is not what Christ does. He uses rich and poor, but I think the whole concept can be extended. We should get over this worldly mindset that looks at people and says good, bad. That looks at people and says useful, useless. That looks at people and says valuable, worthless. And that's this theme here that James is dealing with. And then he goes into the practical matter of, and why are you being favorable to the rich? One, God actually favors the poor, if anything. And two, the rich were exploiting the church at the time, he said. The rich were dragging them into the court. So why are you fawning over these people who were causing you so many problems? And he goes on, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you become a lawbreaker. So James is saying that love your neighbor as yourself. This is what this issue is here that not showing favoritism is a way that we love our neighbor as ourself and that that is part of the law. And I say the law here, that is part of what the scripture tells us is the heart of God. That is part of what God wants us to be doing as we're in relationship with him. And he says, you can't just say, well, I'm going to only do the seven of the 10 commandments, you know, that, The law is about what pleases God, and if you don't do three of them, it doesn't really matter which three, or if you don't do one of them, it doesn't really matter which one. We are sinners once we sin at any one point, and this is one of those points he wants to hammer down. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does it mean to speak and act as one who is going to be judged by the law? I think partly it means cut other people some slack because what you yourself do is also being watched. Don't you want people to cut you some slack? Don't you want God to cut you some slack when you screw up? Then act that way towards others. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Again, we've talked about mercy in earlier shows, but... Grace and mercy are similar things. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve that is good, and mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve, which is punishment. And so, mercy triumphs over judgment is a way of James to say that the heart of God is to be merciful, that that is part of the character of God and that that should be part of the character of his church, is to not look at ways of being judgmental, but at look for to strive for ways of being gracious or ways of being merciful. And then the heart of the book of James really goes on here in this next section here. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. James is saying here that the evidence of faith is action. It's not enough to just say, I believe, what good does that do? What does that accomplish? And this poignant example here of somebody who is hungry or without food and someone just wishing them well. Someone without food needs food. Someone without clothes needs clothes. And faith needs to be acted out in a practical way in those situations. Deeds are how we show faith. You believe there is one God, good, even the demons believe that, and shudder. The first time I read that, I remember being surprised, but it's true. That Satan and the demons were there in the presence of God in heaven. Now they chose to be disobedient and fell from grace, but they know who God is. Satan isn't an atheist or even an agnostic. Satan is a believer. Satan believes in God. Now, he disobeyed God, but it's not a question of he disobeyed because he wasn't sure of the presence of God. And the demons are all that way too. And he says, so you believe in God. So what? Satan believes in God, but Satan chose to be disobedient. What do you choose to do? Satan believes in God and shudders because he knows that he is under judgment for his actions. How about you? You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And this is where I say that this is a counter balance to the book of Romans. Because Romans, which we just studied, says we are justified by grace through faith not by what we have done. And this is a section here that some of the reformers, for instance, uh, Luther had trouble with the book of James and called it a gospel of straw because it was such a counterbalance to the book of Romans, which is where he understood faith through. So let's Take this and put it in context here. Abraham considered righteous for what he did. So, Abraham was put to the test. Abraham didn't just say, I believe that God can get us out of this. He didn't just say, I believe that God can provide a way out. He did say that. But we know that he had faith because of what he did. The deeds become the evidence of faith the fruit that we bear becomes the evidence of faith in the same way was not even rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction as the body without spirit is dead so faith without deeds is dead rahab was rahab greeted the spies who went into the city of jericho back in joshua and hid them because she could see that God was against her city and that Jericho was going to fall and of all the people in Jericho she's the only one spared because she showed faith and she put it into action and that's what James is all about is if you've got faith put it into action and with that we'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. Feel free to send me email at host at com or leave a comment at com. As always, thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.